She Said, He Said is sponsored by Times Media Company and Lee Enterprises. Our show is recorded each week at Creative Space Place Studios in Hobart, Indiana. You're listening to She Said, He Said with Karen and Jerry Davidge, a potpourri of everything that has to do with relationships and the baggage that comes with it, because there's a lot to unpack. Welcome to She Said, He Said with Jerry and Karen. I'm Jerry. She's Karen. Yes. Thank On today's you for joining show, us. Sorry. Uh, on today's show, we'll explore the sensitive topic of losing a close loved one. Uh, in our case, my mother, mm-hmm. who died on April 22nd of this year, just recently, mm-hmm. and she died at the VNA Hospice. And we were going to talk about this in a previous show, and it just didn't materialize. But we want to revisit it and talk about it and share what happened to us because it, we feel it might have happened to you, or it could happen to you. And or we you wanna, can resonate with. Yeah, our story. and we've heard so many readers. I wrote a, a seven-part column series on this journey through the medical system and all that about my mom and so many readers that got back with me and about their mom and their dad and their uncle and their brother and their sister and of course we've all lost loved ones but I've never lost a close loved one before so it really affected me deeply and profoundly and uh, we want to share our experiences on the podcast today I'm hoping that you know it might resonate with some viewers and listeners and you can also tell us how you feel about the same thing So let's trace it back, if we can, to um, the day of my mom's death. It was Mm -hmm. April 22nd. We're at the VNA Hospice. And that day, before that day, actually, Karen and I were out for a walk, taking a break. My mom was at the hospice for like 10 to 12 days. Pretty long time. And uh, during one of those days, Karen and I just needed a break. We walked around, and I saw a flower off the side of of a street, of a sidewalk. A yellow tulip. A yellow tulip. And what I do every year for Mother's Day since I was a kid was I would steal a flower of some kind from my mom and I'd give it to her for Mother's Day. It had to be stolen. That was the thing because when I was a kid, I first stole it from a neighbor's lawn thinking the neighbor would not know. And of course Mm -hmm. they knew. But either way. So every year since then, pretty much I've always had a stolen flower from my mom. So that year I did the same thing. I plucked a flower and I brought it back to the hospice. My mom is there in the room and she's been unresponsive for many days at this point. And I put the flower... Uh, in her room, mm-hmm. and we let it get some water, and it just kind of watched over my mom the night before. Yes. So then I went back on April 22nd, and my sister and my son are out in the community room, kind of taking a break, and I was alone with my mom, and I had the flower, and I saw it was right there. So I thought, what if I put the flower right next to my mom, like on her pillow? Maybe she'd sense it. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'd feel it. Yeah. Maybe she'd smell it. I didn't know what it was, but I put the flower there, and I sat back down on my chair again and just kind of watched and her finger twitched. And I didn't see any kind of finger twitches for no. for days probably. Mm-hmm. So I immediately jumped off the seat, my seat, and I sat next to her and I just said, Hey mom, are you there? Are you there? Hello, are you there? And we'll circle back to this in a second. Let's go back in time a little bit though. September 26th, that's when my mom went to the emergency room at St. Mary Medical Center in Hobart mm-hmm. after we finally dragged her into a hospital emergency room because she was having so many problems with her stomach tract and GI tract and yeah. nausea and sickness and pain. And she just wasn't getting better this time. Not she at wasn't all. bouncing back. Not at all. And she, we knew she had a, a big belly because she was always kind of jolly and, yeah. you know, and, and in a very chubby, wonderful way. But we thought she had a problem. So we took her into the St. Mary Medical Center. She waited in the ER. She was not feeling good at all. Uh, Dr. Dave, a friend of ours, wonderful physician. He's a cardiologist. He helped facilitate to finally get her inside the ER. They did some tests. They did an x-ray and a scan and and all that kind of stuff. And he came back and he told me they found a mass. They found a tumor uh, in my mom's colorectal region. 
and it didn't look good. And he took me aside in the ER and said those exact words, it doesn't look good, Jerry. And ever since that moment, everything changed for me, just everything. I just felt gut-punched, I'm sure. If you're watching or listening to this, you understand that feeling. You're maybe not expecting it, or even if you are, it's like, boom, it just walloped yeah. me. And he told me that, and he was gentle with it, but he was also firm. He's been doing this for decades, obviously, and all the other professionals there were the same way. But I remember trying to absorb it in that minute, in that moment, and I went out to the parking lot, and I just cried. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what else to do. And I tried calling Karen to yes. convey how I felt, and I couldn't even get through a conversation with her, I don't think. And then no. I went back inside with my family in the ER, and my mom was there. And then the ordeal began. Yes. From that moment on, yes. I started recording every possible interaction with any healthcare professional, any doctor. Mm-hmm. I have so many that my storage ran out, and I had to delete some to get more storage. I have hundreds of recordings. I thought I'd need them for my mom's journey to cure her, to help her, and to make sure if somebody told us something, I kind of hold them accountable or go back and revisit it. Plus, I wrote about everything we did for right. the most part, and I wanted to have documentation of everything I wrote about. So mm-hmm. everything's recorded. Yes. I don't have what it takes to listen to some of these recordings on my mom's voice right now or other things, mm-hmm. maybe in the future. But So we recorded everything from that moment on, September 26th on. Yes. So my mom made the big decision, which we did not expect, to get chemo treatment. We right. didn't think she was going Mm-mm. to do that, if you recall. No. She wasn't a big fan of modern medicine, no, so she was very holistic. She was. Yeah, she had her own uh, alternate ways of healing and dealing mm-hmm. with things. Yes. And it worked out fine for her. She was 82 years old. Yep. If I could live to 82, I mean, mm-hmm. that's amazing. I'll take that in a heartbeat, right? So we didn't think she was going to even go for the chemo, uh, but my uh, daughter, I think, helped uh, talk her into it. It was a smart move. She wanted to do anything she can to try to reduce the tumor. Yes. And, and it was growing, and it was big, and it was wrapped around uh, mm-hmm. different organs at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, she went for the chemo, and she went through the process of, of all that entails, and we didn't you know, really understand the complexities involved. And oh, there were times, complex. obviously, when the chemo made her more sick, we're convinced, than the tumor at times. And yeah. We didn't know which was the lesser of two evils and what we should do and how she should do it, and she was a trooper. She was wonderful. Throughout, rarely complained did the chemo, wanted to do it, had the chemo, had to line up. And then even though she's sick and she had side effects, her oh. skin was sensitive to the touch and she got sick and she got nauseous. She's in the bathroom repeatedly, dozens and dozens of times. It was just, uh, it was tough uh, to watch. Uh, but And then she lost massive amounts of mm, weight yeah. during it. We still don't know if it's the tumor, if it's the chemo, she's ill, that kind of thing. But yeah. we went through this whole process. And we're, we're, we're becoming expert, well, expert experts about potassium levels and side effects and treatments, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And all these things that we're, we're learning as, as we go. And, it's, and what we learned, one of the biggest takeaways is having a patient advocate. Yes. And so many patients in these hospitals, we saw I had nobody. They had nobody right. at all. They had nobody at all. That and we it, saw. It, if, if, you, if, if I may, you did a column on a gentleman who had massive invasive surgery from a cancer that That's they found right. in his, that. Um, behind his eye. And he didn't have an advocate. He just had himself. And he woke up very disfigured with a lot of unanswered questions. And, you know, it all came out that this, unfortunately, was the right thing to do, this invasive surgery. If this gentleman had somebody advocate f- advocate for him, yeah. you know, he wouldn't have been left with 
yeah. you know, so many unanswered questions. So that's one of I I sit in awe of, of your family. You are that, our family. She is our family. I know. But I mean She's when I went through the journey with my mother, it was me. It was just me. My brother would yeah, here I don't know and how there. You did that by yourself. But it was just Being a caregiver by it yourself. was just me. And so to see your sister, especially your sister especially, Judy, wow, yeah. um, and Ashley and Carly and Jill and Mike my nieces, and Brent my daughter, my and, son, and even yeah, Josh coming in. Everybody, everybody, we rotated came in around the clock as much as we could, as much as they could around the clock. And I mean, not everyone is going to be as fortunate as your mom, but True. you know, it's it's just important to have somebody, somebody at your side to record these appointments or just go on this journey with you to be your voice to be to help one of the silver linings of this process for us was that it bonded us as a family it also broke us apart and it Mm -hmm. bonded us we've experienced both we're still experiencing both let's be honest but it really bonded we had moments as a family together that we never would have had if it wasn't in a hospital room or a hospice area or a community room or a hallway of a hospital we've had intimate emotional tough difficult beautiful wonderful moments with a family that I've never experienced before in my life because as you know with families we kind of go off to our separate rooms our separate identities our separate homes Mm -hmm. our separate routines but when you're not forced but compelled to be in a certain moment at a certain time and space it makes it very powerful and we experience that as well so that's another takeaway we want to share with our podcast viewers or listeners is that Mm -hmm. there are these takeaways that you should extract from these experiences yeah and we did not expect it of course and we thanked my mom for it every time because (laughs) she made this happen she did in many ways Mm -hmm. we are convinced she knew kind of what she was doing yeah making some of these choices exactly as my son said she was playing chess we were playing checkers i mean she knew what she was doing and she got us into the same rooms and there's some, been some estranged relationships with the family, and she got us back together from these estranged relationships she to be did. close and tight again. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced, even though she was not there consciously in a way for many of these moments in the hospital room, she was like gone, she was off somewhere else in existence. Mm-hmm. She was there. I yeah. think she was paying attention. She knew for many of these moments. Mm-hmm. She saw us laugh. She saw us cry. She saw us fight. She saw us mourn. She saw us hug. She saw everything. She said we waved goodbye. She saw that. We came yeah. in. And one time, even during the, the hospice situation, um, my niece Carly was leaving. And we said, okay, Carly's going to go now, Mom. And my mom's hand literally went just up. Just literally went up and just a went quick up, wave. And then right back down again. It mm-hmm. was powerful to watch. And yeah. as you might know, I'm a, um, I'm a doubtful believer at best. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm agnostic for decades. And But so many things happened along this journey we want to share with you that really got my attention for sure yeah. that we did not expect. My mom did. Not only did she expect it, she probably created it. She did. In some form or fashion. Uh, one of the uh, coincidences or God wink or whatever you want of strange things that happened mm-hmm. was when she got transported from the hospital, St. Mary, to the hospice, which enough was a big enough deal and a yes. family dynamic as it was. It was very mm-hmm. emotional. But when she got there, there's a certain room at the VNA hospice in Valparaiso, and it was called Owen's Room. It was dedicated, uh, right? It it, called- yeah, it was dedicated from a, um, a family member. Um, and a lot of what we learned um, as a side note of the VNA, which is the most amazing place the vna hospice um a lot of it is all donations and how they and and how they run is through donations so uh this particular room was donated uh, by a certain family and they called it the owen room and it was very special to our family because 
when we walked in, um, we noticed Owen Room, of course, and that is the name for the unborn child for my niece, Carly and Brent. Mm-hmm. They named their child Owen, and Carly got so emotional when she. We all got yeah, emotional. we all did. We we saw that. We saw my mom go into this room. Of all the rooms. Of all the rooms she could go to, or anywhere there, on the, in, yeah. the, in the whole region where she could have been. She went into this room, mm-hmm. named for the child that's going to be born. Yes. Getting yes. emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Soon. <laughs> and one of the, a, another thing that we thought was very interesting, and now Nana, um, she was with us for about a good um, 10 to 11 days in hospice. It was a lot longer than we expected. Yeah. But then we realized in hindsight she had unfinished business. And one of the unfinished business that she wanted was where she where she wanted to be buried. And it's a very kind of quirky uh, story that back in 87, my, when, when my, your father My dad passed. died on Christmas Eve, 1987, mm-hmm. yeah. And he's buried um, at Calumet Park Cemetery in Maryville. Mm-hmm. And there was an extra plot next to him. For his wife. For his wife. Nancy, and my Nancy, mom. Nancy, yes. Yeah. So when it came time to, you know, uh, look at burial situations. Um, the um, one of the managers of Calumet probably, like, oh, it's perfect. The plot's right here. Yep, it's been paid for. Everything's fine. It's all done, ready to go. But then Judy knew. She knew Nana doesn't want to be buried there. She spent her earthly being with Joe Davich, and I think that was enough <laughs> for yeah. Nana. If you ever listen to past podcasts, you listen to how legendary Jerry's dad was. But um, she knew that Nana wanted to be buried by her grandmother and her aunt. Which would be my Granny Steen and her Aunt Louise, who mm-hmm. kind of raised her when she was younger. All yeah, and was always very good to years. her. They were so sweet to her. And there happened to be a plot next to them. But, but there were strings attached. And a it was lot complex. of strings attached. And the cemetery told us, don't even don't try even it. Don't even try it. Don't, it's a it's cluster. A, it's, yeah, don't it's a pain. even try. Yeah, just have her go next to her Yeah, the, her it's husband. already been paid it's, for. It's, it's fine. It's right, right here. There's other plots. Uh, no, 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 no. Don't do it at all. It needs a lot of red tape to get through. A lot of red tape. But um, but Judy knew. She dug in her heels. She says, I think this is what Nana really wants, so let's go through the red tape. And... So we they, had to get approvals and sign-offs and contact the cemetery and double check and, things oh and my everything goodness. else and we finally it got it happened. done. It got it done. It did. It got happened exactly what Nana wanted. And she my mom did not go anywhere so to speak while she was in hospice until this was until done. Until yes, there when was, it was approved. There were several things that kind of had to get done we think and she yes, waited. She waited. If that makes sense until they got yeah, done. So, so she, she was had, good to go. Like in the, um when we went through our journey uh, through the hospice care um the nurses who who really are saints by the way um they were giving us these um little booklets of kind of what to expect while your right patient your loved one is in hospice signs and one of them is maybe this your loved one has like we said unfinished business on earth and we believe that's why nana's uh, was with us for so long. It sounds hokey pokey until you experience it's, it. Exactly. Until I experience yeah, it. Because I'm, right. I'm the biggest skeptic mm-hmm. you'll ever meet, probably, and, and cynic and skeptic both. But yeah. I was, yeah, I was really touched by these small little gestures that took place, these occurrences, these coincidences. These signs. These signs, whatever it might be. Another yes. little sign was involving my sister's taxes. Mm-hmm. That oh, yeah. my mom made a big deal out of getting my sister's taxes done, and she did every year. 
before she left home to go to the hospital. I got to get these taxes done. Oh it my was, goodness! Your was mother a, was was, it was frail. A point of pride. She was weak. She couldn't barely she walk. Couldn't do but the anything. only thing she could say was, "I have get to these. get her taxes done." Yeah, I have to get. I kept saying, "Fine, just get to the hospital, and then you could do the taxes." I was just kind of appeasing her. And just, this was around April sixth, correct? Yeah, something yeah. like that, right? So mm-hmm. she had to get these taxes done. And I just kept saying, "Whatever, mom is fine. We we have to get you to the hospital, ER, finally." Um, thanks to my daughter, she did that. So um, she got to the hospital. Taxes didn't. Nobody cared about it. We didn't think about it anymore. It's just it was secondary. It's the yeah. back burner. And then uh, days later, uh, she was at the hospital. My sister Judy and my daughter Ashley were with her. So at St. Mary Medical Center, my mom was there, and she was getting ready to be transported to the hospice. But while she was doing that, my nieces Jill and Carly went to her home and got some of her belongings to take to the hospice, kind of dial things up and mm-hmm. personalize and make her room special again. So Jill and Carly went to her house to do this, and they got all the stuff they needed. They were with Jill's husband, Mike. They got a few belongings, put it in a bin, whatever it might be. They went down to the main level. They were going to leave, and they heard a big thump, mm-hmm. a big thump and some noise like that. They had no idea what it was. And now Jill and Carly... They were too scared to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Mike, not scared. Yeah, he's like, hey, I want to see what's going so on. So he bolted right up, went upstairs, and he saw in my mom's office was my sister's taxes, laid out, fallen, mm-hmm. and just opened up. Um, really, I'm thinking of getting chilly, just, you know, just re- saying yes, the story. Yes. But uh, the taxes were fallen out, and the, the files were fanned out and opened up. And this was my sister's taxes that my mom insisted to try to get this done. Now, at the same time, at the hospital... My sister and my daughter were there with my mom. Is They watched my mom kicking and yes. trying to get out of bed. Right. And she was pretty much uh, not unresponsive, but little response at that point with mm-hmm. her. And she was forcibly trying to get out of bed. And yes. she was fidgety and she yes. was agitated. And she had to leave the bed somehow, even though she was hooked up to wires and cords and beepers yes. and all mm-hmm. that. She was trying to get out of bed. Her leg was trying to go off the side of the right, rail. Right. And they were saying, Mom, calm down, calm down. They had no idea this was taking place the same time the taxes fell in her office and sprayed out, and then Mike found them. This yeah. is the exact same moment. Exactly. Now, as a skeptic, I'm thinking, this is crazy. I don't believe a word of it. Uh-huh. But Mike said it's the craziest effing thing he ever saw, <laughs> you know. And um, my sister and daughter watched my mom do this, and then she settled down yeah. after a few minutes. And we're assuming it's after Carly and Jill got those taxes, rounded them up, mm-hmm. put them in a box, and brought them to the hospice with her. Yeah. So there's another thing that we think, may I, can, that, wow. can that have happened? Yeah. I'm wondering myself, can that have happened? It happened. It did. But as a skeptic, I'm going, could that have happened? It did. It happened. It, it did. It happened, yeah. It did. It's another coincidence. Another coincidence. This was in the hospital. This was uh, the night of Judy's birthday. So this was April 9th, kind of in the middle of the night. Yes. Yeah, so and, oh, what's that? You can... No, it's okay. So my, my sister's birthday is April 9th, mm-hmm. uh, and... Um, and my mom was in the hospital at that point, and Judy thought she might pass away on her birthday, which she felt honored if that was to Right, be. right. She felt honored. So we were there. It was just me and Karen and my sister. And, of course, my mom is there. Mm-hmm. And my mom is, you know, out of it, so to speak, in the in the hospital bed. Yeah. And we're looking for a sign, right? Remember? Yes, we were literally, give us a sign. We were Judy talking about some kind your of brother Joe. Yeah, he passed away in 2009. Mm-hmm. And we were just kind of sharing some maybe not so nice stories about Joe. He had a very tumultuous life. Yeah. And so Judy was kind of saying something about a Joe. And then all of a sudden your mom started kind of banging on She did. She on banged her in her side hospital rail. Rail. I mean, this was out of nowhere. She was unresponsive yeah. and just 
started like, shut being up. like, shut up. Like, That's my telling, son. That was, is still my son. Stop. She was telling my and sister and I, shut up. Stop. Judy laughs. She goes, okay, we're on to about no, no more. anymore. We apologize, mom. Didn't know you were here with us. And then at Guess the, you are. a few minutes later, we started talking about signs and like, okay, okay, Nana, we're not going to talk with Joe anymore. And then Judy said, I said to Judy, how would you talk to Joe? If, if your brother was here right now, how would you ask him for a sign? And she says, well, I guess I'd say, Joe, give me a sign. Second later, there was a code red through the whole hospital. And it shut down momentarily. Was, and everything, the power kind of went down. Ooh. Like, and we could not believe it. We, we were like, oh We my don't know God. what happened. We shrieked. They shrieked. Oh, screamed. I, I'm getting like goosebumps yeah, thinking about that moment. It. We knew my brother was powerful, but you my God. You can't make that up. That, that, was, that was a true story. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my mom not only hit the rail, but then Joe gave us some kind of a sign. Yeah, so thought. they were with us. He was with we us. Thought, and your mom was listening. In so, some way. Yeah. It's another sign. So all these little moments are yeah. laced together through this traumatic dramatic, profound experience that we had. And it kind of helped us cope with the reality of what was going on. Yeah, we knew what was going on. But these other moments, and I wasn't looking for them, obviously. No, some people look no. for them. Some people fabricate them. Some exactly. people hype them up. I was not at all. Right. And I'm a skeptic, and they just kept happening. Yeah. An- another one even took place, um, it was after my mom's death, actually, which I can get back to, is that we were at a restaurant with uh, Bob and Sarah, our kids. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a restaurant down in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about Nana and uh, a balloon. They had a couple of balloons on there. Because it was commencement. And yeah, for there IU. was a decoration. This red balloon just came by and just hovered. Hovered. Right. By our table. By us. And we already released balloons at my mom's yes. cemetery mm-hmm. burial. So it just hovered. And then it stuck around. And then it just stuck by, by yeah, by you. And then it stuck around by Bobby. And then it kind of floated to me and a little bit to Sarah. And then it just floated away. Yeah. It was just... It, it was. We have no idea. Yeah. And it wasn't like just coming from wind or something. No, it just, no, it no. It literally hovered. It just hovered by us. So we have a video of it. Yeah, I did. Because if re- you don't believe it, we have a video of it. I record everything, obviously. Yeah. So I recorded that as well. <laughs> and we just, we kind of said, well, that could be Nana congratulating Bobby. It could be my my parents with Nana graduate <laughs> congratulating right. Bobby. But it was, yeah, that balloon just kind of hovered with us for a few minutes. It was kind of neat. So it's these signs that we saw, and whether it made us feel better, of course it did. And, and yeah. regardless who it was, these little signs that we noticed and amid all this difficult period of our life, obviously, and we're still grieving, yeah. we noticed these signs. It gives you hope. It, yeah, it gives us hope. So we wanted to convey that as another um, takeaway, something you could take maybe from the She Said, He Said podcast of our experience. And we've heard from so many people, because yeah. I posted on these instances on social media and on Facebook. We've heard from so many people. They were too good not this to happened share. to me, this happened to me, this happened to me, this mm-hmm. also happened to us. And we get it, people. At this moment in our life that I've never experienced, I've never lost one someone as close as my mom ever, so I didn't know how this felt. And I've written about this for 25 years. Mm-hmm. I've written about dozens and dozens of stories of loss and loved ones and cancer and burials now, if, cemeteries. If, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, when, when your father passed away... You know, it was a much different relationship. Yeah, it was. I, I wasn't as close to my dad. I was 25 years old, mm-hmm. uh, not the age I am now. I didn't experience it as profoundly, and it just didn't touch me. Mm-hmm. And I, whether I was too young to understand or appreciate it, mm-hmm. uh, too estranged from him, mm-hmm. I felt a sense of relief at times mm-hmm. with my dad. I missed him. I remember crying in the shower yeah. on Christmas Eve morning when right. I found out. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it affected me. Of course. But nothing like nothing this like experience this. Yes. And it still has, especially because I went through this whole process with my mom. We all did, like mm-hmm. every day for months, whether it was the chemo and the clinics and stopping at her house and watching Oscars with her at night, right? 
were popping in and just checking on her yeah. and bringing her. I brought her all the stuff she should not have eaten. Probably, you know, it's you know, I'm, I'm a horrible. It made her happy. It made her super happy. Yeah, yeah. whether it's a strawberry shake from Dairy Queen or some or Long soup. John Silver's. Oh my God, yeah, <laughs> that's good for colorectal cancer. Have some Long Johns. Well, it made her feel good in the moment. It certainly did. So all these things, we were just together with her in the in the moment. All these moments, and whether it's a hospital and then the hospice, and then it all come, comes up to this April twenty second that I was talking about earlier in the show. Is that the day she died? We didn't know, and we were waiting for signs or clues from the nurses or from something else or from herself. We did not know. And I had that flower and I gave her, I put the, the yellow tulip on her pillow. And then I sat down, like I told you, and then her finger twitched immediately. And we didn't see any finger twitches, no movements from her Nothing. of any kind, really. She would just slept. And that was all she was doing for many days. So I jumped up and I got next to her bedside and I looked at her face and I was really close to her, just inches away. And I said, mom, are you there? Hello? Hello? Are you there? What I didn't realize is that she was not saying hello to me. She was saying goodbye. She was saying goodbye. Yeah. And I didn't know that. I thought she was coming back just to say, I saw your flower. I, I acknowledge this. And then she, um, her, op- her eyes looked at me and kind of opened up a bit. And then her mouth opened a bit. And then it closed. And then her eyes closed. And then she took her last breath. And, and how wonderful it was that said, you goodbye. were there. How wonderful it was that you were there. Yeah, people say it's a gift uh, that I was there with her in a room, and yeah. I'm still unwrapping this gift because I'm still processing it, obviously. So, yeah. yes, it was a gift, and nobody just happened to be there. I just happened to be there. I don't know what, if it was timing, if she would have passed away at that moment anyway, if the flower, if it was me, if it was... Maybe she didn't want to be with certain people, like do not do this in front of maybe her nieces or her granddaughter or her grandson. Or, so it was me, and I was the one. Well, she always, she always said that you were the glue of this family, you know, and, and she knew that. And I picked up the pieces. She you said, picked up the pieces, but, and yeah. that you were the one that could handle this and share the news with everybody. So she took her last breath, and I stared into her empty eyes now, and I kissed her forehead twice. Yeah. Because that's what she did with my brother when he died. Yeah. In the emergency room at a hospital, she kissed us forehead twice. Yeah. So I did the same thing. Then I called in my son, my sister, and we came and we said goodbye to her. She passed away at 12.06 p.m., which was reflecting her birth date of 12.06. Yeah. Uh, 12, you know, mm-hmm. December 6th, mm-hmm. we noticed that. And then um, she was buried with the yellow tulip that I gave her for Mother's Day. So yeah, that's her Mother's Day for every future Mother's Day, I hope. I will be. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a story. She was very, very loved. Yeah, she was. Yeah. So, thanks for sh- listening, and I'm sure everyone has the same story of their loved one. But you know, your mom was very, very, very special, and everybody knew it from the clinics to the hospital to the hospice. You know, Miss Nancy was very special, and she could tell by how none of us left her side. Yeah. Ever. We did not. She was never alone. Yeah. And I mean... We slept overnight. We Everybody did. took turns I mean, at the hospice making sure we're, we're always with I mean, her no I, matter what. How many people can say that? Yeah, I mean, I can't. Not if either of my parents. But she was never alone. 
No. She was that just a reflection of this absolutely beautiful person. And I'm just so glad that she was not alone when she passed away. No. Um, because it could have been somebody's in the bathroom or somebody's outside in a community room or whatever. Or yeah, and you know what? And if that happened, happened maybe there. that's the way that she would have wanted. But I think in Nana's way, she wanted it to be you. I hope so. Oh, I know so. Oh, that's yeah. my gift. <laughs> yeah. All right. So before we uh, finish this episode, we want to share some takeaways with uh, listeners and viewers of what we learned and maybe what you could learn as well through mm-hmm. such a painful experience. Uh, first off, we mentioned earlier uh, patient advocacy. Yes. To be there, just to have somebody with you to record things, to ask questions on your behalf. It's mm-hmm. so important. So very, many people we important. noticed did not have anything like that. Yeah. And if you could pull it off with your family member, it's so Please important do. to be there because the doctors, the nurses, the staff, the aides, they recognize it, they see it, and they treat the patient better, I'm convinced. I think maybe so Maybe I'm too. wrong, but I'm convinced oh, they I do. Oh, I think so too. It's just human nature. Yes. People care about this person. We're going to care about this person and, as well. And people, it, it, appointments can come and go so fast that you you need someone to to. Yeah, it's a blur otherwise. Like what happened? A lot of it medical jargon, replay. a lot of information. Yeah. yeah. So we record everything and be an advocate. Also, estate planning is something that's we didn't. We're the poster child for what not to do in many ways. <laughs> we did not plan correctly. No. Uh, not only do we not plan for where my mom's burial site is for sure and secure that. Years ago or months ago, we did not do any of that. We did everything on the fly while mm-hmm. we're trying to figure it out. We're contacting lawyers in the cemetery and um, wondering what mom's last wishes would have been. Get those last wishes. Get yeah, it in writing. Exactly. Ask your loved one. Right. How? I know it's delicate. Oh, it's, it's tender yeah. talks. It's sensitive talks. We get it, but it's so essential. It, it can save a lot of time and, and stress and money. And a lot of family dynamics of pulling people apart Ugh. because a doctor told me in the hallway what's happening with my mom happens to all kinds of families, yep. and they can either rip a family apart or bond them together it's done both with my family and we're trying to help others not to experience that so estate planning sounds like a big fancy term but essentially just get affairs in order of what your mom your dad your uncle your loved one your wife your spouse Mm -hmm. what do they really want just ask what they really want if you want to get in writing even better so you Mm -hmm. can show other people this is what dad wanted this is what mom wanted this is what my wife wanted that kind of thing exactly and the same thing goes with end of life care like what do you really want Um, our family was not in agreement with what my mom would have wanted near the end of her life did she want to keep being probed and tested and prodded and wires and cords and beepers and test and do this and do that and medical personnel around her all the time. We did not know she never lived her life that way, so we were assuming she did not want to live the end of her life that way. I don't think so. Um, but we didn't know, and we didn't have yeah. that conversation really verbatim and talking about it and putting it in writing. Like, what do you really want, Mom? What do you really want? Exactly. It would just give us so much peace of mind at this point to know what she would have wanted to what your loved one would want it. Exactly. Just, just ask them. What do yeah. you really want? Mm-hmm. And if you're on uh, machines and you're hooked up in a hospital, do you want this to go on for weeks? Is that okay with you? What if you're out of it and you can't even respond? Do you, how long do you want? you want to the to the bitter end? Do you want to stay in a hospital and die in a hospital by at any means necessary? Yeah. Whether it's... Dialysis, uh, dialysis, feeding tubes, feeding tubes, whatever. Any machines. Do you want that or do you really not want that? Do you just that? want to die with dignity around your family yeah. in peace? Or or at home or at a hospice. Mm-hmm. Ask the questions. It's worth it. We learned it. It's worth it to ask the questions yes. now. You could do it at a family function. You could do it lightly. You could do it sensitively. You could do it Or you can just intimately. be blunt. Yeah, <laughs> what at do a you gathering. Do? Exactly yeah. what you want to do. So that's another takeaway we thought we could leave you with. And also, should hospice be considered or, or, or not? I mean, if you address these things in advance, it makes everything so much better. It does. It really does. And also, uh, do you want... Do you want to be with your loved one? And how do you want to be with your loved one in their end of, end of days, uh, end of their life? How do you 
Do you want to experience that? Do you not want to experience Who do you want to experience that with? Should a certain member of the family can deal with it better than other members? We, we learned that. Mm-hmm. That's I right. I mean, I wanted to be there. I just surprised I was, but I didn't plan on it, but I wanted to be there. Yeah. So these are some of the takeaways we thought we could help with other people mm-hmm. learn from our mistakes, our foibles, our yeah. experiences, whatever. It, it, it worked out uh, for us in many ways. In some ways, it didn't. There's still a, a haunting question marks and some doubts, and we don't know. We, we just don't know. We won't know until we know. Or maybe not at all. Or maybe not. Yeah. yeah. So take what you want, but we appreciate it. And we appreciate, uh, we hope it's okay. We shared this intimate kind of profound story with yeah. our listeners and viewers. And we'd love to hear your feedback mm-hmm. and insights. Feel free to get back with us anytime. Yes, thank you. And again, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you on the next show. Yep. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to She Said, He Said with Karen and Jerry Davich. Sponsored by Times Media Company and Lee Enterprises. And recorded at Create a Space in downtown Hobart. Find us at nwi.com and where you find all your podcasts. If you enjoy our show, we hope you return with your own viewpoints about couples, relationships, and the subtle or not so subtle differences between spouses, mates, partners, and potential partners. We welcome your opinions, your experiences, and especially your love lessons.